sweat the technique. Razor Blood Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. He's Blank, I'm Branham. We are the Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, a texture, 713-780-ESPN. Forrest Whitley, yeah, uh, Whitley would be one of those relievers we were talking about. Yep. And I'm curious with you guys. I just don't. I don't have very high expectations at this point because of all we've been through and the roller coaster of Forrest Whitley. It would be fantastic if he honed in on on his his arm and his ability to throw hard and also locate his pitches. I just don't have a realistic belief that he's a guy that's going to figure it out and be a guy they can count on all year in one of those spots. Yeah, I don't. I'm kind of hedging my I think he starts on the opening day roster. Uh, I think that they might go with somebody who has a little bit more seasoning uh, that is pitched in the bigs, and then Whitley's like one of the first or second guys that they bring up whenever there are injuries. I I firmly believe that we'll see Forrest Whitley pitch with the Astros this year if he stays healthy. No, I agree with that, but I think that Coleman and Souza, unless they just completely self-destruct during the spring, those are the two guys they'd really like to see be the veterans in the middle of that, that that bullpen along with Montero that they can kind of lean on. There's one more spot, though. Like Even if uh-huh. Coleman and Souza you know, make the team, there's that one more spot. And it's like, well, who gets that spot? Is it a Whitley? Is it a Belak? Is it a name that we haven't really Seth heard Martinez. of yet? Uh, Seth Martinez, he'd be in the mix there, too. So, like, it's going to come down. That's it. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, look, but I think that because of the expectations of this team, that you're not trying to find a spot for a Forrest Whitley. I think you're right. I think he will at some point make an appearance on the roster. I just think that unless uh, to start the season, unless those veterans really don't look good, mm-hmm. then I think that those veterans are going to get the first crack. That's who they'd like to see carry them in the middle of the bullpen. Yep. And then, like you said, based on injury, that's when they'll have to adjust. Yeah, I think Whitley would have to outperform them pretty substantially uh, in order to beat them for the job. I'm with you on that. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Lamont, you're in the hive with the bees. What's going on, Lamont? Yeah, uh, I... I... This is uh, uh, it's it's for both of you guys, but I know that uh, I know that uh, Pac-Man, uh, Joe, he used to. Uh, I have a question for you, man. When it comes to pitches, and you're gonna sound like this is the dumbest, the dumbest thing that you ever heard. <laughs> when I'm looking at the game, and, and and they are throwing pitches, and the announcer quickly says what kind of pitch it is. Mm-hmm. How do we? How do they even know that? Is it because uh, of their arsenal of what they know they? Pitch, is it because of the grip of the ball or is it because of uh, how it goes across the, you know, goes across the plate? And that's yeah. all I have, fellas. Uh, uh, like I said, I know it's very uh, uh, mundane and uh, uh, stupid, but I just really want to know that. No, look, and, you know, Jeremy, could, he calls he still calls baseball. He can get in on this, too. I think the biggest thing is just the velocity of the pitch, and, and you can see the movement of the pitch to figure out what the pitch is because you're not going to see the grip on a pitch-by-pitch basis. It's going to be the, the velocity and location and then the movement that all – and most of these guys are ex-major leaguers or you've been calling games forever to where you pretty much know, you know, real quickly how quick, you know, based on how those three factors factor in what the pitch was. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't catch exactly what he asked. So if you're if you're calling a game at U of H, how how can how how do you quickly figure out what pitch it was 
from a, a breaking pitch, oh, change gotcha. pitch, slider, yeah. you know, splitter. It's really, it, well, one, you do your homework on it. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know his repertoire. Like, you know, if he's got a fastball change up, curveball mix, there's your idea. And then if you have a radar gun, it's really easy. Like, if you have the, like, if you yep. have the velo reading and it's like, okay, that's 93, that's a fastball. And then you see 82, that's his off speed. And then what the movement does. Uh, but if you don't have a gun, usually a hard straight pitch is fastball. If you see some sort of bend to it, then there's your breaking ball. And then if it's a righty and it kind of goes into a right handed hitter and it's slower that's more than likely your changeup. so that's that's what you're looking for so, you're looking for velocity and if whatever he's throwing the hardest is his fastball now if you see a lot of run to it okay there maybe it's probably a two-seamer or see, it's a cutter i was gonna say velocity movement location and like you said in homework like yeah location and knowing. To me doesn't matter as much repertoire so yeah, yeah so velocity Movement, location, and repertoire. To me. Yeah, and you can see you can see a little bend to it. Like if you're see, if you see a pitcher throw two like three ninety three mile per hour fastballs, and let's say you don't have a gun, but you see three fastballs, boom, boom, boom. You can tell it's the heat, and then you see a little bend and break. That's that's probably curveball. That's a slide piece. Yep. Uh, then you see the same straight pitch, but now it's moving into a righty. Okay, that's a change. Uh, now you can get some nuanced stuff like sink. That's tough to tell from a booth. Like you probably need to know his repertoire if you if you have a sinker. Uh, two, if it's a two-seam, four-seam mix, you you can usually tell because a two-seam is going to ride into a righty if it's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, so there's little tricks to the trade. But it, like you said, it's about seeing it a lot. Yep. It's seeing it a lot, and then you kind of just put patterns together. And what was, this, what's the, what was the term they, that everybody thought was this new innovative term last year on the, uh, the off-speed pitch? Oh, yeah, sweeper, the sweeper. The sweeper. The sweeper. Yeah, they brought that into that. the mix because it's just that's, a all it is me. is a really slow breaking pitch. Yeah, it's a slow slider to me. Like, I, I don't I don't like the new sweeper thing. And now, it's not 12-6. S- it's more east to west. Yeah. I will say this about the um, just, like, pitch movement and stuff when you're using it from a scouting perspective. The Astros were cutting edge with that. They, they use TrackMan, which TrackMan shows you velo. It shows you, like, it shows you the degree of what the pitch is doing. It shows you the rise. It shows you the elevation. It shows you the spin and, like, the – what is it? I can't remember the terms that they use, but maybe RPM. Yeah, it's revolutions uh, it is, per yep. minute. Yeah, yep. RPMs. And then they show you, like, how many spins they get per minute. Like, and the Astros were cutting edge the first – to use that in Major League Baseball. And there's a lot of people that think that's the reason they found your your Frombers, your Javier's, and they, they, they had so much success with, with pitcher and development. Oh, because remember now, they took Morton and Cole to different levels yep. when they got them and they, they acquired them. And Verlander talked about it when he came back here, the fact that the Mets weren't doing anything close to what the Astros do in terms of the deep dives, the analytics, and utilizing all the information to make sure that they're better pitchers, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. So today's the first full squad uh, for the Astros. Everybody's there. Uh, last week was pitchers and catchers. Today was the first full squad. Cool, because you get to see you know, the Astros hitters facing Astro pitchers. All these media guys are out there uh, recording it and posting it on Twitter. So I put together the all-time Astros 26-man roster for the fun because, mm. you know, because it's, it's full squad day. Okay. Um, this is all-time, and this is like how I would construct a roster, too. Like I, I, on my bench, I need somebody who's capable of playing shortstop because you need somebody who's capable of playing shortstop on your bench. I did struggle with the arms because there's a lot more great Astro starters than there are relievers. Now, there are a couple of relievers that are, that are really good. You want me to start with the pitchers? You want me to start with the uh, offensive players? I like the uh, I like the lineup. I, I'm, I'm curious. I didn't do a lineup, but I did by position. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with the position players. All right. First. So the Astros, I went 13 position players, 13 pitchers, because I think that's what most teams do. I had to put Craig Biggio as my catcher. The the Astros are loaded at second base. I know Biggio only played catcher for three years, but if you want Craig Biggio in your lineup, 
He's going to have to play catcher. So Craig Biggio is my catcher. Sorry about it. Uh, Jeff Bagwell is my first baseman. Killer Bees, what's up? Jose Altuve, the greatest Astro of all, is my second baseman. Alex Bregman at third. Carlos Correa at short. Give me Lance, uh, Lance Berkman in left. Cesar Cedeno in center. Jimmy wins at right. Jordan Alvarez, my DH. And then my four-man bench. I need a backup catcher. I really wanted to put Yiner Diaz here, but I went with Brad Osmus. Uh, Joe Morgan. Backup infielder, Dickie Thon, a backup infielder. He's the he's my guy that's capable of playing shortstop. And then Jose Cruz is my final bench spot, final outfielder. Well, Jay Cruz. I think my biggest problem Jail is your backup outfielder is pretty strong. Is yeah. center field. I think I would have had Springer in center field. Other Over than that, Cesar I, I, Sedano? Yeah. I mean, no way. I mean, look, sure, Cesar's uh, career is obviously longer here in Houston, but Springer's high here, especially being World Series MVP. I would take that. What was Cesar's field. average? Is, Cesar, his career batting average was uh, .285. Still, .285 steals a boatload of bases. Over his career was .285. He finished with a .790 OPS. Uh, George Springer, all-time, .267 average, .835 OPS. Yeah, I, I, I'd lean Cedeno as well. And I and love Springer. He's my favorite Astro. But, I mean, obviously you have to go only what he did with the Astros. You can't look at career. But you look at Cedeno. Cedeno was a four-time All-Star and finished top 16 in MVP voting four times. George Springer was a four-time All-Star and finished top 16 MVP voting twice. Actually, three-time All-Star in Houston. He made one with the Blue Jays. Three-time mm. All-Star in Houston, top 16 MVP voting three times. So Cedeno has volume over George He was Springer. healthy enough to make an All-Star team with Toronto? Yeah, he made it in 20. He had a really good year in 22. His first he, year there? No, that was his second year. Okay. He played 133 games, so like didn't even finish the whole year, and, and had like an 814 OPS. He was, oh, eh, I, I shouldn't say really good. That's that's good. It's not really, really good. Uh, so, Sedanio, yeah, I give Sedanio the nod there. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. That's a good argument, with though, with Joe the Morgan and J- that's Jail great bench. Pretty yeah, darn good. Joe great Morgan bench. on the bench is a pretty, pretty yeah. nice uh, I think the Astros have the best collection of second baseman in the history of the game. They go Biggio, Altuve, Joe Morgan. Who who rivals that? What Cano I don't think anybody his, does. Cano and Willie Randolph in their no, good Cano's years. No, Cano's a cheater. The, well, I know, but I'm just saying in his good years with the Yankees, whether we know if he cheated or not, the Yankees. I don't know. Like I, Dodgers I had Davy Lopes it. and Sacks, and Sacks had some good years. I love the Astros second base. Yeah, that's, that's why Biggio has to catch. Yeah. And then my pitching staff, thirteen man pitching staff, and it's up to my manager to to figure out their roles because I don't want this job because you're going to have a lot of dudes that are fighting for starts that aren't going to be happy. So I just want alphabetical order here. Roger Clemens, yeah, short term, but he gave you he gave you some Young really here. good stuff. That's fair. Cy Young, Garrett Cole. I know super short term, but his 2019 was like top two, top three Astro seasons for a pitcher in the you. history. Uh, Larry Durker. Larry Durker's more volume. Yeah. Randy Johnson. Sorry. I, I know he was only was here be on for that. a few yep. months, but Randy Johnson in those few eh. months was nasty. Ooh, and if I'm good. using if I'm using that few months as like my left-handed specialist out of the bullpen, good luck hitting that guy. He doesn't have the volume, does not have the resume. But that little brief three months with the Strohs, good luck hitting that guy. And I want that guy on my team. Uh, Joe Necro, he's going to be on here. He's got some really good volume. He can eat up some innings. Uh, Roy Oswalt, who has the highest war for any pitcher in Astro history. J.R. Richard, who didn't last a long time um, but was really dominant during that short time. Nolan Ryan's on the list. Mike Scott is there. Uh, give me Dave Smith to have a real reliever, an old school Dave yep. Smith. Justin Verlander, who is the greatest Astro starting pitcher of all time. Billy Wagner, who's the best closer in Astro history. And then Don Wilson rounds out my pitching staff. That's a pretty stout pitching staff when you think about some of the arms that and where they sit all time and Hall of Fame and everything else. 
when because I was like, I, I know you're doing alphabetical order. I was like, well, Nolan's got to be on that list. You know why I do? You know why I went alphabetical? Because then it's you don't because have... I had about ten starters and I didn't know, I didn't want to make a rotation. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say because you had to pick and choose, and then if I told you, hey, who, who's starting opening day? <laughs> I know. Or... And I may, I'm going to let Dusty Baker decide that he, recency bias with my manager, and I'm going to, I want Papa's belly question to if make Dusty's the decisions. making that decision. How many of these guys does Maldi catch? <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And how many guys is he giving days <laughs> off to when they don't need one? Maldi. That's the reason Maldi didn't make it as my backup catcher because I didn't want Dusty to be one of the one making the decisions and start him for all these guys. He's going to go with Maldi over Craig Biggio. No, Tony Eusebio. I I love you, Sabio. <laughs> I the, love you, Sabio. He was the first guy to do what the the, the laid back splits catching. Yeah, he was. All, I loved his. His swing was so weird, like inside out swing. Quirky, remember he had. Yep. Remember he had like that thirty game hitting streak over the course he of like did. ninety games. Yeah, because he was only catching every few games. Yep. I love you, Sabio. Uh, I really wanted to put Yiner on the list though, but I just I couldn't pull the trigger. I almost did, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. I, I guess the one name that stands out from the pitchers left out would be Brad Lidge immediately. Obviously, everyone yeah. remembers the Pujols tank, but I mean Brad Lidge was a really good reliever for you know I don't know what three, four, five years here for the Astros. So Lidge. It, 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 I guess it would depend on your starting pitcher, relief pitcher mix, but Lidge would seem to be kind of a guy that you know just missed the list. Lidge would have probably made it if I went if I went like just real six five six man rotation and then like a real bullpen. He would have probably been on there. I studied him pretty close with Dave Smith, and Dave Smith with the Astros was here for eleven years. He had one hundred and ninety nine saves and a two fifty three ERA. Good. Whereas Lidge had a three thirty ERA and one hundred and twenty three saves. Was so Cam- like I gave I gave Smith the the nod the nod over Lidge. Was Cammy in the mix at third? Not really. Like I was. Um, I, I did I did pull him up and I looked him up his numbers compared to to Bregman and I even looked like Doug Rader and stuff like that. The uh, Caminetti didn't have fantastic years in Houston. He had the MVP year in San Diego, right? And most of his good year, almost all of his good years were in San Diego. Guess guess uh, Ken Caminetti's career high in homers with the Astros, just single season. I mean, dome the dome sapped out. True, yeah. but, he did, True. but he did come back. He did come back. True, uh, twenty one. Actually, I, would, I don't know if he. I, I don't think he played it. Minute Maid. Now that I think about it, I don't think he did either. I, yeah, I, I think he, I think he played his last year at. No, when I think it, he when came it was Minute Maid two thousand or two thousand one. But what year did Minute Maid open? Because Kevin Eddie's last two thousand. Okay, then Kevin Eddie played one year at Minute Maid. His last year in Houston was two thousand. I, I was going to say twenty one as well, Brian. I, I'll I'll say maybe a l- little better. Well, the way Jeremy set it up, I'll say eighteen. That's it. Oh wow, eighteen in the nice strike shortened year of ninety four. I'm learning his, to read my co-host. <laughs> that was his um, his best OPS year was the was the Minute Maid year, but he only played in 59 games. And then <laughs> if his first, his uh, his only like full year was 94, 847 OPS. Like his numbers as an Astro: 264 average, 330 on base, 402 slugging, 732 OPS. Like 103 <laughs> home runs. Like that's his career with Houston in 10 years. That's not that good. Well, and the two starters that came to mind that weren't on the list were were DK and and Shane Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Mike Hampton, Reynolds Reynolds was close. Mike Hampton had a what a twenty two win season. Oh, he yeah. did the one year. He had a really yeah. great year. Yeah, Reynolds was on. Reynolds and Hampton were both honorable mention. Uh, Kyle, I just didn't really have the volume. Okay, uh, but uh, like this this is a tough list to crack, guys. No doubt. This is a, Reynolds was on the short list, but he didn't quite get there. Uh, but this is – I would put this 26-man roster exercise. up against yeah. most, man. Like, yeah. this is a good 26 – especially that pitching staff. That yeah. pitching staff is nasty. Oh, God. You, yeah, you, no, there's, exactly. there, there's 
maybe two or three teams that are touching that pitch that started that or not even starting pitch, but that just that that pitching staff. That's that's it's an amazing pitching staff. Someone said Necro, please. I don't know if they feel like Necro should have been off of it or if they're begging for Necro, but Necro did make it. Someone said Lidge. Someone said Reynolds. Uh, someone said Lima. Lima had one really good year. Yeah, and like he, and Jose he Lima doesn't belong Bay. on this list over Don well, Wilson. He also could have fulfilled your Taco Tuesdays because he brought that to the mix too. Casale. That's right. Ole. Every Ole. day. <laughs> the, uh, so, someone said was Oswald on the list. Oswald absolutely was on the list. Yep. So you could put him as one of the top three, four, five Boy, was starters. He, he was nailed. History. When yeah, they he were was awesome. Oh man, he was so good. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's make mock drafts great again. How are we making the Texans better as well? It's Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. He's blank, I'm Brandon. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. So we're making mock drafts great again, and we're allowing you to uh, participate as well because we care about you, the viewer. You are the most important people in our lives. Um, you get to make the Texas first-round pick. Who you taking? You can follow along at Jeremy Branham. I just put up the uh, the vote for today. Last week, Blankers, it went like this. We had the options of Nate Wiggins, Graham Barton, who nobody in Houston likes. Uh, poor guy. Uh, Cooper DeGene, the corner from Iowa, and then Chop Robinson, defensive end from Penn State. I can't remember which way we voted. I'm sure, I have a terrible short-term memory. Uh, but Chop Robinson took the viewer vote. Uh, he went 40%. Nate Wiggins, 26 Cooper DeGene, 25 Graham Barton did go up to 9%, so he's stealing some votes. Uh, but Chop Robinson won the vote there. Uh, today's mock draft that we're looking at, CBS, it's from Kyle Stackpole, which, what a name, uh, Kyle Stackpole. He goes with Caleb Williams at number one. Brian, you don't like the Bears, do you? No, no, I'm not a Bears fan. Yeah, we're not going to be able to bounce off the Bears things anymore with a non I can make up a Bears take if That's you okay. want. We, don't, we spend too much time talking about the, the Bears, if we're being completely honest. Way too did, much Bears By the way, talk. did Joe ever pay off on his bets for you guys for no. the Bears winning the division? No, 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 no. Actually. And there was not a clause that if he got fired that he didn't have to pay the bet either. That's right. Yeah. So he didn't get fired from the station. And just so everybody knows, he's still working with the station, just no longer with the Killer Beasts. Because he's not a B, and he called me talentless. Uh, so the Bears at number one, <laughs> Caleb Williams. They go, Let that go. They, <laughs> I mean, honestly, he is kind of a B. <laughs> he is. Are, a we, are we sure? I see what you did there. I see what you did there. We did call him the Queen Bee. <laughs> Love you, Joe. So, uh, Jaden Daniels goes number two to Washington, which would lose me a hundred bucks. Uh, Drake May goes number three to New England. Marvin Harrison Jr. four to Arizona. So, kind of the status quo there. We, we've seen Daniels and May interchangeable at two and three. Harrison at four has been a popular pick. Uh, number five, Alumawa Fashuna, say it with co- conviction. He's the offense tackle for Penn State. Malik Neighbors is going number six. LSU receiver Joe Control Alt Delete is going number seven to Tennessee. The tackle from Notre Dame. Latu Latu. The edge from Atlanta, or the edge from UCLA going to Atlanta. Dallas Turner, edge from Bama going to Chicago. And then Talese Fuaga, offensive tackle from Oregon State going to the Jets. Scroll down, Houston Texans are on the clock. Stackpole has the Houston Texans taking Enos Rakestraw Jr. from Missouri. If this is the pick blankers on draft day, are you okay with Rake Straw coming to the Texans? Yeah, I am because as we've discussed previously, look, they want to upgrade the defense, and you've got the tough decisions on some veteran defenders 
that you're going to have to make a call on before you get to the draft. So this tells me that they, again, are looking for a long-term fit to play on the other side of Stingley that isn't going to cost you what Stevie Nelson costs you, and maybe because they're spending money on John Grenard or a defensive lineman or two, that they're going to choose to go this route. And so, therefore, I'd be just fine with it because the names are interchangeable. The position is the most important thing here. And if you're drafting corner, that means you're not re-signing Stevie Nelson at a corner, in my mind. And so I'm fine with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm, there's a lot of positions that I'm okay with, and this is one of them. If if Casario and D'Amico come together and they say Rake Straw is the corner, we want opposite of Stingley, uh, I'm cool with that. I'm on board with it. I would be a little confused if they re-signed Nelson and then drafted exactly. Rake Straw. That yep. would confuse me, uh, but uh, I would be uh, on board with this. Brian, Enos Rake Straw, Jr. is the pick at 23 on draft night. You comfortable with it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate that because I, I'm not re-signing Stevie Nelson in free agency. Same. I'm not I'm not really uh, comfortable investing the money that it would take to retain him since he's already in his 30s at this point. And uh, obviously, if that is the case and Stevie Nelson walks, you have to add a corner. Uh, it's probably not my first choice with what I would do. But if, if uh, Nick Casario and D'Amico decide this is the guy, I trust their opinion and I'd be happy with it. Same. Are you guys okay if we don't include quarterback within the next three picks? Like, yeah, this one has I saw that. Yeah, that's okay, fine. Good. Let's skip over him because I think it, it, it makes for better conversation. Uh, so we, we look at the Texans pick and then the next three, and then we select who we would select on draft day. Uh, Michael Penix would be the 26th pick. We're not going to include a quarterback because the Texans have Stroud. So we got our choice of Enos Rakestraw Jr. Jordan Morgan, the tackle from Arizona, goes number 24. Cooper DeGene is the corner that goes uh, from Iowa that goes number 25. And then since we're Skipping quarterback, this brings into the equation Byron Murphy, the second defensive lineman from Texas, defensive tackle, uh, notably. So you got our, you got your choice between those four: Rake Straw, Morgan, DeGene, and Murphy. Who are you picking? Boy, does this make it that's interesting? A good one. I know it that's why really I wanted to is. Do it. Yeah, it's a great call because I'm I'm leaning with what they need and, and that and what we know they're dealing with free agency wise. That's why I said corner. But when you throw that that monkey wrench with Byron Murphy the second in there, holy cow! To me, then I go back to what I always revert back to, which is I listen to when D'Amico speaks at the end of the year, and he wants to upgrade the defensive line and he wants to make the defensive line better. One that had an impact on how I saw Sheldon Rankins versus how I think he sees him. And more importantly, I think that's how they move forward in a different direction. That means Byron Murphy to me is the pick because Byron Murphy definitely can be a beast and an anchor in the middle of your defensive line. And I would love to see him land with the Texans. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely with Joel here. This is, look, it obviously depends on if someone slips and you get someone available at 23 that you don't expect to be there. But if it goes how most people project and Byron Murphy is there, it's a race to the podium for me it's, yes. there's really no second thought like like joel said D'Amico told you exactly what this team needs and we saw it on the field in baltimore against the ravens they need more help up, up front they've got guys that are one-year contracts that aren't going to be back and i think byron murphy is a special talent that uh, deserves to be here in the first round so byron murphy would be my pick a lot of people say that i'm a contrarian that, that i go against the grain no. for the sake of going against the grain stop it I don't know why they say it. I don't believe it. I don't see it either. I'm glad you guys see it the way that I see it. Yeah, give me Byron Murphy. Give me Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle. Even if you have both needs, like you don't bring back uh, Sheldon Rankins. You don't bring back Steven Nelson. I think there's a lot better chance of drafting a starting caliber corner with your second-round pick than a guy who I think can be a pretty big factor on the defensive line. So make it unanimous with the bees. Good feng shui with the bee uh, behind the what glass. A, what a refreshing Let's go Byron change. Murphy. 
Yeah, Byron Murphy's the selection of the Killer Bees. Uh, who would you select? You can go to at Jeremy Branham, and uh, you can play along and put up a, a poll there. The early uh, the early report back, 75 votes, they would take Byron Murphy. 49% is the early returns. Cooper DeGene is the uh, the second most popular pick. But, Somehow, but with DeGene, though, you just don't know if he's going to play corner for the majority of his career, so that would be that would concern me. Same. Like, uh, I would probably go Rakestraw ahead of DeGene. DeGene, I would take ahead of the tackle. Yep. And su- surprisingly, the tackle leads the vote over Rakestraw. Huh. How is that possible? Titus Howard put on his Twitter bio today that he's a right tackle only. I was just going to mention that to you. Like, <laughs> that is the biggest, most interesting factor we haven't discussed yet, which is at least Titus Howard is telling us where he wants to play next year. Is that is that kind of being a diva? Oh, for sure. Like, we agree, for the record, so it's probably like we're not we're not going to get upset about it. Like, right. if we thought Titus Howard was a better left guard and we wanted him to play left guard, and he put on his Twitter bio that he's a right tackle only, we would be losing our minds over this. Yep. But because we agree with him, like, no one really cares. I'm speaking more we generally than, like, we, you and I. But it's still diva, diva behavior. Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. And the fact is, is that we know he's already paid, uh, like, a right tackle, and we want him to play right tackle. But that should be for the team to, to figure out what position he's going to play because they're the ones signing the checks that gave him what he wanted and just, you know, let them make the decision and maybe you could, you could voice that behind the scenes if you wish. But to put it out there like that, there's no doubt there's some diva in that. Yeah, I didn't uh, – I, I read that as a little diva-ish too. And I don't like it. But because I agree, I'm willing to let it slide. And because we have beef. I don't want any more beef with Titus Howard. He's a little bigger than me. You, you, you create some beef sometimes. Hey, I, I, he slid into my comments. I didn't add him. Ooh, that sounded dirty, but okay. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Who you taking there? Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want to ask. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What's the question that you have for the Bees that you've always wanted to know? Well, ask it now. Now's your chance. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees. ESPN ninety seven five. ESPN ninety two five. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? Mommy? What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? He's blank on Branham. It's time now for our Mailbag Monday. What is your question for the Killer Bees? 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Pena has a question for the Killer Bees. What you got, Pena? How's it going on, guys? So, I got a good one for y'all uh, this week. Start, bench, cut. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson, College Prime. Who y'all got? Thank you. Have a great day. Prime? College Prime? He said Moss, Jerry Rice, and, and Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. I, w- I would almost say it would be even better if it was NFL Prime. Let's do both. We'll start in college. Wow. College Prime? So, you're going Marshall? You're going, Rice went to Southwest Missouri? Was it at Mississippi Valley? Yeah, or Mississippi Valley Mississippi State, Mississippi there you go. Valley. Yep, Mississippi Valley. And Calvin Johnson went to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech yeah, yeah, where they ran the triple option. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have to, I think I'd have to start Randy Moss. I think I mean, Randy he got Moss himself on the Heisman, Heisman stage in a year where Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson were there. And he was the Heisman Finals. Yeah, he probably had the best quarterback, too. Yeah, was it Chad Pennington? Yeah, yeah. it was at least yeah. for a little bit. Boy, Certainly it, better than Calvin Johnson. And in high school, he oh. had another great quarterback that could really dish it out. Allen Iverson? Nope, Jason Williams. White, oh, yeah. White Chocolate. White was Chocolate? Yep. White Chocolate was his high school quarterback. Halliburton tried the White Chocolate behind the back he elbow pass. He did. It bounced. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good effort. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. I mean, he got there. So college, I'm going to go Moss. 
is my start. Moss only played one year. I didn't realize they only played one year. But he was up for the Heisman. So no, he was great. I'm, yeah, so year, I'm gonna, yeah. And, they, and if we're saying prime, then I'm going to go Moss. I'm going to go Rice, and I'm going to go Calvin Johnson. Because Calvin Johnson, Johnson? Yeah, the offense wasn't ideal for Calvin Johnson. You're still good, though. Well, I'll go Randy. I'll start Moss. I will. I'm going to bench Calvin and cut Jerry Rice. Because no one knows where Mississippi Valley st- – well, I guess you know where it's at. I think we know it's in Mississippi. I think I know it's <laughs> in the Valley of Mississippi. With. I guess you do know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> Rice finished ninth in the Heisman voting in 84. Huh. I didn't even know. I didn't realize I'm sure that. they were slinging it. Calvin Johnson wasn't All-American. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go. I'm going to go controversial. Yeah, give me Moss as my starter. I'm going to keep Calvin, and I'm going to cut Jerry Rice because he didn't play – in real football. So your Yahoo Sports headline would have been, Branham wanted to cut Jerry Rice. Georgia Tech was pretty good. They, they were weren't playing good. real football. You just you started with saying they were playing the triple option. Yeah, but they were good. Like they won a bunch of games. What, what was what was their peak? Like nine? Actually, it was pre it was pre Johnson. This was Chan Gailey. So maybe they. Weren't I was just going to say Chan Gailey yet. was there. Yep. So maybe they weren't doing op- triple option stuff yet. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm sticking NFL with. NFL version of this question is yeah, go completely NFL. different. NFL to me is Jerry Rice, it's Randy Moss, and then it's Calvin Johnson. Yeah, that's mine too. You yeah, differ at all, Brian? Yeah, 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 yeah. Make it three. I, I know Randy Moss wants to change that narrative and and refers to himself as the greatest. I love your self-confidence, Randy, but Jerry's the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's he's got him on the volume. Like, Randy Moss at his absolute best. I think you could argue Randy Moss is the most talented wide receiver of all time. The combination but of speed, just size, and resume, high point, you know like, that, but yeah. Their pro, fo- you know, their fo- pro football reference page is Jerry Rice. And then when you look at Super Bowls and yeah. all-time statistics, it's tough not to say Jerry Rice. Yeah. King of Twitch, uh, what's the most unpredictable division, unpredictable division in the AL and the NL this year? Centrals and both. Yeah, I'll go AL Central. Yeah, Central. Sure, I think it's sure. Centrals and both. Let me think about the NL for a second. I think the AL Central is completely up for grabs. Well, I think naturally, I, think the, we, I mean, the, the the East feels fairly predictable with the Braves, yeah, and the then Braves the Dodgers in the West. You yeah, that's expect- a good call. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Brian. I'm yeah, I, I, I think it's Central's in both because you don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. No, and you don't know the White Sox are probably still going to be hot garbage. Yeah, the Cubs are up in the air. I think I bet I bet the Reds to win that division. Oh, the Reds are really good. They got, took, they got, they got a got lot value. of ta- talented young hitters for sure. Milwaukee doesn't want to pay anybody, so they're not. Well, they just brought back uh, Brandon Woodruff. But he, but he's, he won't pitch yeah, this Yeah, but he year. was not going to pitch this Yeah, year. true. Yeah, so, I, I like the Reds in that division a lot. Oh, I do too. Yeah, like, they're I, fun I'm to watch. on the talent there. They're, and they're really they're getting fun arms to watch. Back. They're getting arms back. They're yeah. getting, I can't remember the other guy's name, but Lodolo's coming back. Nick Lodolo, yeah. And then who's the other? They, they missed uh, it. Yeah, there's another young pitcher. Oh gosh, uh, I'll, I'll I'll find his name. In two I've seconds. been I've been drafting him, but I can't. Hunter Green. Yeah, Hunter. That's Hunter the name who really I was. Good. Oh, I was thinking of Graham Ashcraft. Yeah, he's coming back too. He's coming and back they, too. Yeah. Didn't they sign a couple of veterans? Eh, not really. They they signed they they brought in Frankie Montas, but that's not really a that's move just the a needle. cheap. See what he's got. Yeah, maybe he has a chance to be the number five. But I, I, their offense is legit. And if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are just okay to good. I like their chances to win that division. So we all went central there. 713-780-3776-0613. Back with another food question. What are y'all's go-to comfort sandwiches? Well, comfort sandwich to me is easy. I mean, that's a that's a cheeseburger. 
loaded. If I want to go, okay, how about this? Are we counting oh, are we, sandwich? Yeah, are we counting burgers and sandwiches? <laughs> it is we, a sandwich. I know it's we, a sandwich, uh, but like, well, you we, just said it. We argued. We argued this uh, a couple months ago. Yes, we did, and we beca- we came to the conclusion that a cheeseburger was indeed a sandwich. I mean, it is a sandwich. But he asked. If you wanted to say burger, he would say burger. Now you're okay. getting nitpicky. Maybe so. I think we just got rid of Joe. <laughs> I don't want. Don't go bush league on me this early because you. I already okay, know well, how you play. What, 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 is your, what is your burger like? What is your go-to comfort burger, burger? for me is is a double cheeseburger with American cheese, with grilled mushrooms, grilled onions, and ketchup. I, I'm not and, surprised it has ketchup on. Um, and I'm good. I'm great. Yeah, for me, I think I would also go uh, cheeseburger for, for allowing that in. It frankly be downstairs from where where we are right now. It'd be Burger Chan downstairs. Uh, get their burger with uh, cheese and bacon and the uh, crispy fried onion strings. Fantastic. Oh, I forgot the bacon. You doing sales for them? I, I would like to. If Burger Chan wants to reach out, yeah. I would be more than happy to. Forgive me for omitting bacon. I'm putting bacon on that bad boy, too. There you See, go. I, there's a, I'm a hot take right here. I don't think that bacon belongs on a cheeseburger. Oh, what? Oh, oh man. man. You get a cheeseburger bad for the flavors of a cheeseburger. Bad you don't get a cheeseburger for the flavors of the bacon. And the moment you put the bacon on the cheeseburger, the bacon becomes the dominant flavor. Well, if you wanted a cheeseburger, get it, the cheeseburger. What's wrong with, what's wrong with bacon being the dominant flavor? They complement don't really want each other. I don't, I don't think it enhances. I think the bacon takes away from the cheeseburger. Oh, oh I don't know. <laughs> I have, Boulevard I have great, I'm a foodie. I have great food taste. You, you know, all these foodies just self-proclaim that they're foodies. Whoever gives them the title of foodies? Like Lance Erlein? Yeah, they just tell, I'm a foodie, and then now we have to believe you're a foodie? Who, who, like, where did, yeah. like, where did you get that from? It. Anybody can claim it. Just like so you, then, you can claim being the preeminent draft expert. So, so you're not putting it. bacon on a club sandwich either? That's a little different. Bacon belongs on a club sandwich. It doesn't belong on a cheeseburger. But it's still going to steal everything, every other meat you put on the sandwich. Yeah, but I don't care if it steals the meat of ham and turkey. Like if I want a cheeseburger, it's because I want a cheeseburger. I like the cheese and I like the burger. I'm Give me a the cheeseburger. Blend. Everything, the cheese enhances the bacon, which enhances the burger. And then the, the dominant the flavor. I want the cheeseburger to be my dominant flavor. I don't want the bacon to be the dominant flavor. If I want the bacon to be the dominant flavor, I would have some bacon and eggs. Tell your taste buds to reevaluate the dominant. <laughs> you guys like egg on a burger? Yes, I love do it. not. I or, love yeah, it. I'm with Jeremy. I love an egg. Good for I good. do not. So good, good with the runny yolk. Well, see, no, I, I don't get it. I don't get it very runny. I like I like it cooked. Yeah. I like it. I honestly, I like it uh, over well. But yeah, if, same, it's a, if it same. gets runny, that's okay. I, don't I hate mind yolk. A little bit of runs okay, but yeah, I don't want it to fine. be the sloppy mess. I hate yolks, so nope, I'm out. That's funny because you're yoked. Ocho, do your family members have nicknames for you? No. No. Um, my grandma used to, well, she still, I, I don't know if she really calls me anymore. Uh, my mom. Sometimes she'll call me mijo or head of mias. Whenever I was really young, they would call me pupas. I don't my know My mom why. used to call me the prince. The prince? Because she's the queen, my dad was the king, so. That's what Joe used to call you. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, triple zero, do you need any for you, Brian? I mean, B-Mac. No, no, your no. Parents, do you, no. Do you, you don't like B-Mac, like B-Mac as my, we found out. No, I'm not, to go not, by I, I don't hate it. I just don't prefer it. But no, no, no one. So that's no, why it's in your handle. It, that's another story we don't have time for. But uh, no, I don't really have any nicknames for family members. What do you think about instead of Josh Hader, the Astros could have gotten J.D. Martinez and then used the rest of the money that was spent on Hader for another reliever? Where's so Martinez like a, play, though? All at this point, DH. Jeremy and I already discussed this. He's a DH. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'll i take Hader. 
Yeah, cool. I would rather have Hater because I don't know. I don't know how you fit Martinez in if because you, you don't want Jordan playing left every day. I, I want to play it fifty one times this year, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we have Corey. a little wager here. <laughs> I I think you have a shot. I think it's a really good number. Well, especially with a spot as quote, I, I had know. new I had new hope. Yeah, I know. I probably wouldn't have said fifty after a spot as quote. Uh, Corey is Big Twelve basketball the strongest conference in all of sports. In all of in sports, all of sports that's in all of basketball, yes. In all of sports, I would say SEC football. I would say Big Twelve wrestling, really, or Big Ten. What, what's Nebraska? And they're probably in the Big Ten. I have no idea. Nebraska's um, in the Big Ten. I don't think the SEC football was as dominant this year. It's SEC football every year. I mean, who? Which one of the SEC schools played the championship game? Okay. I think Georgia still had a, had an argument. Huh? I mean, how can you be the, how can you have the you strongest lose, conference Georgia, in all college sports? So if, you're looking at what conference. if you're looking at the teams they'll have for next year, two of the four are SEC schools. I'll go Big 12 basketball because I'm a raging homer. Well, we know this. Uh, Aggie Matt, uh, why is Joe really gone? He called me talentless. Joe's not gone from the station. No. Joe's just no longer. He's just relegated to Joe's got stuff unknown. to do. So European he basically soccer. tried to abandon us because he always is trying to get by. No, 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 no. It wasn't Joe that made the decision. Let's not get that twisted. Uh, Eric, the driver, who in the bullpen has the best single pitch? In the Astros bullpen? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he meant. Um, wow. I think I'll I might go, go with Abreu's fastball. I was going to go Abreu's fastball. I think I'll I'll go go Abreu's fastball. I'll me go with slide piece. Who's, who's fastball is better between Hayter and Abreu? I that's still... the thing. I need to see Hayter. Yeah. Up close and personal for a while. Wow, that's a good question. My gut feel is, yeah, I mean, yeah, my gut feeling is a breeze fast. I would, that's a, that's where I would. Ocho, which college basketball team has been most disappointing, and why? Michigan or Memphis? Well, I watched Memphis play the majority of that game the other the other day, and I was like against SMU. Yesterday, I was yesterday. Yeah, I'm hammered. like, my goodness, Memphis has just underachieved. Can I go option C, the Texas Longhorns? Yeah, I mean, they're a tournament team right now. Yeah, still pretty disappointing coming off of. What, well, that's uh, just because they played U of H close I mean, on the road last they got their year, doors I mean, blown. Yeah. Uh, is mayonnaise an instrument? Is <laughs> <laughs> an instrument? What? That's what it says. Is mayonnaise an, inter- an instrument? You take it however you, you choose. I'll take it as I'll pass because that sounds weird. I don't like uh, mayonnaise, but it, it's necessary in some things. Like I made a I made a copycat Chewy's jalapeno ranch the other day, mm-hmm. and it called for mayo, and it tasted good. So I think mayo's necessary for things. I don't eat it on stuff though. I don't. I've never. I've never been a fan of mayo. Yeah. Yeah, me either. All right, that does it for our mailbag Monday. You like tuna? I mean, growing up in the Midwest, we had a lot of tuna fish, and it was also very inexpensive. And tuna, you had to mix it with something, but we would mix it with Miracle Whip. Where are you fishing for tuna in the Midwest? Tuna's a Is it in the lakes? Tuna's popular. From mile five. I'm kidding. I know it's not yeah. in the lakes. Well, chicken of the sea. Um, Thanks, uh, Jessica. I, I'm not a big tuna guy. I don't like tuna at all. Ugh, makes me sick thinking about it. 713-780-ESPN. Can we be done with the NBA All-Star Game already? I have a I have a solution, actually, that I want to run by you guys to see if it would fix the All-Star Game. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line. Killer Bees. ESPN 97.5. ESPN 92.5. Guys, right now I want to tell you about the newest, greatest golf spot I have found, and it, they have the best simulators around, and it is X-Golf. X-Golf is absolutely fantastic. It's at 99 and I-10, and it, there's eight simulators. It's a great spot to be. You can think about it as kind of like better than top golf indoors, and it's the most accurate golf that you can find. If there's a rainy day and you're supposed to play your course and you couldn't get on, well, I got a, I got a solution for you. You go to X-Golf because X-Golf is 
is going to be as accurate as it comes. You can actually play your own golf ball. The golf ball that you like to play for touch and feel, you can practice your chipping, your putting, hit all your shots. The, it is so accurate in calculating spin and ball flight and distance. And you can practice as well as you can play up to 50 courses worldwide. We're going to be there on Friday. It would be a great time for you to check it out and know that it could be your go-to indoor golf spot and practice range because it is absolutely the best I've ever seen. Check it out today. You need to go to X Golf on the Internet or go go out there in person. Matter of fact, see us on Friday as the, the, the station's going to be broadcasting live from 12 until 6. You need to stop by and see us. It's 99 at I-10 and Katie. It's X Golf. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. I don't know what to call that NBA All-Star game yesterday. He's uh, he's blankers on Bradham. Scrimmage. Yeah, it was a light, that was a good, that's a good way to call it. It was like a, uh, it's a layup drill. That's what it was. Yeah, it was a half-assed layup drill. Yeah, Larry Bird was begging for them to play hard before the game. Kobe... Kobe said once that there has been better pickup games at Poly Pavilion at UCLA. Anthony Edwards said after the game, like, what do you expect from us? This is a break. 211 to 186. Like, this was this was more of a, a NASCAR race. It was awful. a basketball game. I, I don't know. I mean, we had it on, and I was going in and out of the living room, and I happened to catch Luca getting a completely, I don't know how he could have been winded, but he got a dunk. He barely got over the rim, and then there was a steal in the backcourt. They gave it back to him, and he tried the off the backboard to himself and got it stuck on the front of the rim and then didn't get back. I'm like, oh, this is just awful. I, I watched about three minutes of game action, and I turned it off, and I watched the Houston-Iowa State game from January 9th. Hmm. That, I was like, I, I turned it on, and I was like, okay, this is not basketball. I'm going to turn on a real basketball game. Uh, so I went back and watched the the old Houston-Iowa State game. Uh, not a fan. I wasn't the whole fan thing was organized. It, it was actually so, so poorly organized that TNT did the one thing that could have saved it. They took Charles off the air on the main feed and put him on an alternate feed with Draymond Green and Taylor Rooks. And then the rest of the studio show – was just completely bland. And then, again, trying to watch this, it was like everybody, me, me, you either wanted the MVP, so you were trying to really impress. And I thought Halliburton, first time in the in the, in the the game, and he, I think he made, his, he made five threes in a span of like a minute and a half. And then Damon Lillard started making one from half court, and I'm going, this is a joke. Yeah. I do like that the East-West is back. Like, that's fine with me. Uh, there's There's ways that I think you can – yeah, I think there's ways he can fix this. You had Lillard shooting at half court, but at least he was making. Like he Luca tried two. the Luca tried the sixty footer. Like he tried a sixty sixty five footer. Like what was he doing? Like what is that? Like what are you what's like, going on? Who's Towns had who's thirty points in, in the fourth quarter. No one. No one's t- turning in to see and, that. And the the problem is, and we have the audio from Anthony Edwards if you want to play it, but it, it doesn't really matter. Like the the it seems like the NBA All Star Game is flipped between formats, and you know you have the captain thing. They messed with how long the game was. They've done a ton, ton of different things to try to make the game competitive. 
but it doesn't matter unless the players in See, the game take it seriously. Like, guys, I mean, you mentioned Kobe earlier. There was a time, even though the scores were still 150, 148, that when it got to the fourth quarter, the Jordans and the Magics, the Kobe's, they would start to take it serious and play some real ball in the fourth yeah, quarter. But Kobe took it seriously because he wanted to prove himself against Jordan. He right. always wanted to guard him, and that was cool. But, you know, Adam Silver said he wanted he wanted to get back to East-West and regular format because he didn't think the old format was working. At least with four quarters where it didn't get completely whacked out like 20-some point leads, you knew that you were playing for something for every quarter, and there was some money involved because at the end of the day, which sucks, but this is where we're at, players are not going to play hard unless there's money on the line. And that's why the midseason tournament was so popular because guys got a chance to get a half a million dollars if they won. So there was a little bit more intensity. When they were doing the four-quarter thing and, and, and you win the quarters and it was going to charity, it also meant something at the end of the day because the team got more money if you won than if you lost. And it, it condensed everything to be a, to kind of create some kind of competitiveness with the score in the, each quarter. Yesterday was a joke. The, there's still money involved, but it's not enough, and that's that's how I would uh, fix it. Uh, because winning team gets a hundred thousand, the losing team gets twenty five thousand. You get fined seventy five thousand dollars for saying something bad to the referees. Like it's seventy five thousand is obviously still a significant amount of money, uh, but it's not a lot to guys who are all stars in the NBA and they're making probably on Tens average twenty five million dollars yep. a year. Um, I think they should raise it, and I think they should give the winning team, every member of the winning team, $1 million. The losing team gets nothing. You get your trip paid for. They'll book your travel, you, they, 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 your, your hotel room. All, they'll feed you. But the winning team gets $1 million. The losing team gets $0. And I think you'll see them compete a little bit. I don't like how high you just put it at. I, I just still, think, even with the million dollars, I mean, a guy like LeBron that's going to make like fifteen million a year, still a million it's, though. It's still you win a cool mill and one night of work. I think that they try. They tried in the uh, the NIT when there was a million dollars up top. I don't think that they're going to pay more for the All Star Game to guys that are multi 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 millionaires already than they are for the mid season tournament for the roster that wins it getting five hundred grand. But if you want to say that. The winning team, winner take all, five hundred grand for the winning team. Yeah, I, I think that that would be exactly where you start because I think when you're talking about that kind of money and the sponsorships and everything that would have to roll into the NBA coming up with that dough as well as the midseason tournament, I, I, I think that's too much. But I think if you want to go five hundred grand, winner take all, that's basically essentially what they're kicking out anyway, or at least close to where I think they would. Be, that would be something that might have a chance because otherwise, everybody say, "Well, how do you resurrect it?" You just don't. If yeah. you don't have the money aspect of it, then you're not going to entice these guys to play. I like the million dollars. Half a million just doesn't sound as cool. Like tune into the NBA All Stars that are playing for a million dollars, or tune into the NBA All Star game where the winner gets half a million. Give me the full million. How many guys are on the roster? Give me the full million. Somebody says everything should go to charity. That's fine. Play for a million dollars to your charity, and the players get the tax write offs. Because I would say that you could just take the grand total of how many, how much money the winning team gets, and just say, winner take all thirty seven million dollars or whatever. It's also it is. not my. It's all yeah. That's a good call. You could do that because yeah. now you're getting a bigger lump sum, and it gives you more like it's more. You know, it's it's splashy. It's cr- it pops it's off clout the page for the advertising. More. Yep. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. You add it all up and say that they're paying for this much million. That's a good call. Um, yeah, I'm just not a big fan of the NBA All Star Game. I it was I could not watch. Your boy it. won the dunk Literally contest. Could not watch. I did. I watched the dunk contest. I'm a fan of the of the All Star festivities. I watched the entire Saturday night. Well, 
I didn't watch the beginning. I watched the three-point shootout. I watched the Steph, and I watched the slam dunk competition. That's all you really needed to see. Yeah, right? I don't, all the stuff before that doesn't really interest me a whole lot. I love the three-point contest, and I, love, and I don't love that they added all the money ball rack, and I don't love that they added the money ball spot. I wish they would go back to the old traditional way, Agreed. kind of how I feel about the home run derby. Call me a purist. Uh, slam dunk competition, I thought it was pretty good. Like, you know, we can be critical of it, certainly. Like, I think it's silly that Mac McClung is participating in it. Mac McClung has played in four NBA games. Mac McClung has participated in two NBA slam dunk contests. Uh, I find that very weird. I don't know who that's really benefiting. Um, but he was the best dunker that night. God, he can fly. He was easily the best dunker. Yeah, there's no doubt about the fact that he is the master of his craft when it comes to dunking. But then I watched him in the uh, Rising Stars Challenge, and I actually realized he still has some game. I mean, he actually had, a, 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 in the first game they played, he had a majority of their points. He was scoring inside and outside, and I was like, okay, he has more game left than I thought because he went from he went to Georgetown. He bounced around schools. Everybody, he was an internet sensation. But all it was, I saw was him at dunk. Tech. Yeah, we saw him. we played him at Tech. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And and so I was like, well, maybe someone could. He he has a chance to be at the back end of someone's roster. But I thought the bigger thing of the dunk contest was Jalen Brown did it, and obviously he was a little petty because he was trying to prove that he had a left hand because he was wearing a glove on it with sparklies. Which is a terrible windmill, by the way. Yeah. Like but at the same for the windmill, time, and it was like a 30% windmill. The reason why I like it, no matter what he did dunking was, he's the biggest name they've had in a while. And because of it, mm-hmm. and because of the broadcasters getting on it, John Morant came out and said, I'm going to consider it now going forward. You get a couple of the younger guys that can really fly that are big, big names. And obviously, Ja, ja has a lot to gain, too, to try and resurrect his image. But if Ja would get into the contest, Zion could possibly get into the contest. You get some of the young guys that can do these kind of dunks. That now you could bring the contest back. And that, that's really the key, because we've had years past where Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin, those guys were in it, and those dunk cost, contests yeah. were a lot of fun. But if you don't have the guys that people know, then it's... Cash it's, it's, the it's, clout counts. No oh, matter yeah, how sure. much Matt McClung can do and how he might be the greatest dunker on the planet... Who you he, put it on the headline. You know, yeah, he doesn't have the name which that four carries would you? it. Which four would you? If you could pick your four, which four are you going with? Anthony Edwards, oh, John Morant. Jaws down mine for sure. Yep. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Giannis. I just don't think he can do enough flash because he's just so freaking long that he could dunk standing up almost. Yeah, but you throw length with his like leaping ability, he could do some things that maybe we don't see. Who else am I missing that are high, high, high flyers? I, Jaws, I think Zion, Jaws would be number one on my list. Yeah, Ja, Zion, Anthony Edwards, and there's got to be someone I'm missing. But those, did you put those three in? Boban. I, it's a good start. Who? <laughs> Boban. You want Boban? They were, they, were, they were lobbying for Carl Anthony Towns last night because he had a couple of reverses when he had 30 in the fourth quarter. Stop it. You need star power. Completely agree. Completely agree. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP. Listen, who's your dream for for the slam dunk contest? Also, Kenyon Green posted on his bio today that he's a right tackle only. Uh, I'm sorry, that was Titus Howard. Kenyon Green, last year, didn't play a game. People are already calling him a bust. How critical it is for the Texans to make a decision on Kenyon Green right now. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.